what Jesus was really talking about in that boat ride across to um, the uh, northern part, the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, and think, what is Jesus talking about? And I gave a little bit of an explanation there earlier in regards to offering, how Jesus was literally saying to the disciples, I'm your all, I'm your provision, I'm your Jehovah Jireh. Um, They couldn't see it. The interesting thing about the disciples is Jesus says to them, you, you, you know, can you see? And the interesting, it's an interesting question that Jesus, Jesus um, um, asked of the disciples because it was the same basic question he asked straight away when they landed and to the blind man who he spat on and laid, you know, spat on his eyes and laid hands on him and said, what do you see? Can you see? And the blind man's response to Jesus at that time was, well, he kind of declared, I can uh, but not really, not fully, not clearly. It's blurred. And, and, and if you would take a moment to consider the realities of what Jesus says to the blind man here, can you see, was exactly what he was saying just minutes, maybe just hours possibly earlier to the, the disciples and said, guys, can't you see? Can't you see? I mean, you've clearly... I, I fed the 5,000. We took up 12 baskets. I fed the 4,000. We took up seven. And still, can't you kind of comprehend? Can't you see the reality of who I am? Jesus is trying to reveal to the disciples that he's ultimately God, isn't he? He's ultimately the provider of everything. He's, he's more than just a prophet or a rabbi for them. He's, he's God. But we see the interesting response in this, this, um, this, this situation with the blind person. I mean, tell me... Where you ever see Jesus laying hands on someone twice? Never. When he heals, he instantly heals. And yet for this man, it was almost like he didn't get it right the first time. Well, that's not the case at all. But he laid hands on him. He says, can you see? Even asked Jesus asking the question, can you see? And the blind man said, yeah, I see men like trees walking. So uh, we, can in, we can infer from that that the man obviously had sight at one stage because he knew what trees and men will look like. So he had sight, he's had an accident, had a disease, something's happened, he's lost his sight. Jesus heals him, but only partially, and then Jesus has a second dip and heals him totally, and he can see clearly. And it's a bit like a, 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 like a metaphor for the disciples and with the discussion they just had right there in the boat when Jesus says to the disciples, can you see, can you understand? And they couldn't understand. Thankfully, the disciples came to a point where they did understand that Jesus was all that he was, their provider and everything. It was later on down the track. But the point, an interesting point is I want to bring to your attention this morning is the fact that our, I think it's incredible important that you understand that Jesus uh, hasn't finished with the disciples yet. And we see that in that he touched the blind man twice. Just imagine if he touched the blind man once and he could only see blurred vision. And he says, oh, well, that'll do. Blurred vision's better than no vision. No, 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 Jesus touched him a second time because I, I think uh, we, Mark wanted us to understand something incredibly important is that Jesus 
isn't finished with the blind man and he isn't finished with the disciples and if he was never finished with them he'll never be finished with us and if maybe this morning you're sensing um, you know I've got a little way to go in life I've got some things that are yet to happen I haven't got the perfect marriage or the perfect relationships or the you know I haven't quite got this whole Christianity thing going as well as it could I want you to know that God says to us this morning I'm not finished yet hang on I haven't quite got it all together. I always remember, um, <laughs> I, I was in grade eight and I was um, my first year in high school. And I, um, um, you know, when you come from grade seven where you're the, you know, you're the, um, the oldest in the school and you come into grade eight and you become the youngest at high school. And, and I still thought I was kind of like, you know, I was... Um, I suppose I kind of thought, well, you know, I'm doing pretty good. But I, I remember this day that brought me, it kind of reality came and hit me in the face that day. And I, was, I went to the first swimming carnival at the Gladstone State High School at the Gladstone Pool. And I'm standing at the end, ready to race my 50 meters freestyle. And, and uh, I'm standing there with a whole bunch of other guys my age, with 13-year-olds. And, um, and I had, this, um, I had this thought that, you know what, I could, uh, I could get a placing here. I could get first, second. I could even probably win it. I was a bit deluded. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, I was an upstart little grade eight. And, and you know, if I, in hindsight, if I think back, I, I probably should have saw the writing on the wall because when I think about it, everybody else had Speedos on and I had my boardies. And you know when you jump into a pool with boardies on, what happens is everything fills up with water, the pockets and everything, and it just drags behind you. And you know, I didn't kind of see that at the moment, at the time. I just I was just like, yeah, I could I could I could possibly get a placing here. I reckon I could do well. And you know, the truth is I could swim, but I couldn't swim well. So we jumped in the water more mine in hindsight now I realized was more of a flop, but I made it and and I thrashed about for it seemed like quite a while and I thought I must be near the end. Of this race, and I popped my head up, uh, and I realised I was only halfway. And uh, I thought another 25 metres to go. You're joking. And I heard all the, the cheers and the and when I was you know clapping, and I thought, gee, people, I must be doing well. I didn't kind of look left or right. I just kept on swimming as hard as I could. I finally made it to the end and touched the wall and stood up, only to realise the cheers were not for me, but for the guys who won it because I got last. <laughs> I got last. Have you ever had a time in life when reality just slaps you right in the face? And you realize that you're nowhere near as far along the path as you thought you should be? Is there ever any times when you, you maybe think, well, you know, I could do this. You realize that, gee, I thought I was doing well, but I can see that there's so much more to go. I think they're the times that we've got to remember in a Christian walk or in our life in general, that Jesus comes along and he says, I'm not finished yet. I want to touch you again. I want to minister to you again. I want the character to lift another level again. I think, I, I think we, have a, we serve a God who's, who's, this, who's the, miracle, the miracle of the second touch. But not just the second, but the third and the fourth and the fifth. I think God always is spurring us on. I'm glad that God doesn't say, well, uh, blurred version, uh, sorry, blurred vision, that's enough. That'll do. It's better than nothing. Knowing you know, he says, I, I just want to continue because uh, I, I want to touch you 
because I'm not finished with you yet. I'm not finished with you yet. And whatever that may relate to you this morning, Heavenly Father reaches out and he says, you know what? Um, You may have thought you're doing well, uh, and now you realize you're really not. But that's okay, because I'm not finished with you yet. If you will yield your life and submit your heart to me. So I believe that Mark included this story where no other gospel writer, Matthew, uh, Luke or John includes this story in their gospel writings and their narration. Mark includes it in his. And I believe it's for a reason because he knew, because he could see the reality that, the, you know, as, as much as Jesus was saying to the disciples, you know, I haven't finished with you yet. He was, he wanted, he was saying to the blind man, I haven't finished with you yet. He wanted to say to humanity who read this passage, I haven't finished with you yet. And you know what? You might think, well, no, I think everything's kind of watertight. I got everything nailed down. I just want to challenge you this morning. There's even higher levels more that God wants to take you. Because we could settle back on our hands and say, I'm okay. I think to say, I'm okay, is to go backwards. Is to go, I think God wants to take us further. I don't really know, to be honest, the theology behind why Jesus had to touch the man twice. Um, it's not like God was having, Jesus was having a bad day. Can you, can you just imagine if, if God rolled out of bed on the wrong side of bed one morning and said, well, I'm sorry, I, I, just, didn't, I, I just don't feel like giving my grace and love out today and healing, and no, I'm not going to do it today. God isn't like that, is he? So that certainly wasn't the reason. I don't, and, and, and the truth is, we could say, maybe the man didn't have enough faith, and so Jesus had to touch him twice to build his faith. That could have been the case, but the truth is, I see that there's times... In Mark chapter 10, when there was a man with a demon-possessed son, and he said to Jesus, would you help my, help my unbelief? So I, I kind of gathered that sometimes Jesus touched people's lives who had great faith, because he said that, they've got great faith. And other times he helped people touch their lives when they needed faith. So I'm not quite sure what category you're in today, but I wanna, and I'm not quite sure why Jesus really touched this man twice, but I do know why it's in the Bible to help us to see that God's not finished yet. God's not finished yet. And if God isn't finished yet, I want you to understand something else. That if he isn't finished, there's a couple things that we, can, we, can, we need to understand clearly. If God's not finished yet, I can continue. I can continue. And then maybe the fact you're here this morning is a reality, and, and the truth is, is that you... It was a bit of an effort to get up and get here because of what's happened. And maybe there's some people who aren't here today because they feel like they just can't continue. Well, that's where we come in. And we can be the hands and feet and the mouthpiece to people. But if he isn't finished with me yet, I can continue. See, it's interesting that Jesus, when he came to this blind man, he got out of the boat and went into the city of a little village of Bethsaida. This blind man was brought to him by a bunch of friends understandably he's blind he couldn't find his own way so they brought him to Jesus and it's interesting Jesus touched him uh, before he touched him to heal him he touched him to lead him and where did he lead he led him out of the city now there's a whole lot of reasons why that was because once again Bethsaida was a city that Jesus said about you know if all the works that I'd done in you he said about Capernaum but he also said about Bethsaida of all the works that I'd done in you I'd done in other cities they would have repented and believed but Bethsaida you didn't so maybe Jesus was saying you know there's unbelief in this city so I'm just going to take you out of the 
crowd and I'm going to take you away and then I'll heal you. But anyway, he led him. But before Jesus touched him to heal him, he led him to lead him. And you know, I want you to understand something. Are we open and responsive to God's leadings in our lives? Because the reality is when you allow God to lead you, uh, and, and you know, his, as we spoke last Sunday about his ways and not just his works, but you know his ways and you allow him to lead you. When, the, when those times come that maybe you don't receive the healing or you don't receive the answer you wanted or things don't kind of pan out like you wanted to pan out, at least you know you can lean back in the arms of Christ, and our Heavenly Father, and say, God, I know that your leadings and your directions are far greater than even your works and I can just trust you even though I'm not getting the answers I want. Because Jesus led the man before he healed the man. He touched him to lead him before he touched him to heal him. And you know, so often we can get frustrated and angry. God, what's happening in my life? I just want you to know it's a moment of trust that God's building into your life. Because he wants to lead you. He wants you to know his ways. He wants you to know how he operates. And instead of focusing on why still, we still have maybe that sense of blurred vision life and we can't quite see the future or what's happening and we're aware of that. Be aware of what Jesus is not saying. Jesus isn't saying, well, I've got you this far and as I've said before, blurred vision is better than no vision. No, no, Jesus wasn't saying that. Jesus touched him once. He's got blurred vision. Jesus says, I'm going to touch him again. And he gives, it touches his life again and he sees clearly. See, I'm just glad that Jesus continued that day. He doesn't give up on us, even though we may on ourselves sometimes. He, can, he continues. We can continue. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, I, including you, you can put yourself in there, it says, I am God's workmanship. I am God's workmanship. Have you ever been in a house, been in, living in a house when it's being renovated? What a messy, chaotic state it can get into, you know? I remember at the age of 12, my parents renovated our house. There was dust, sawdust, there was blocks of wood, there was everything that's flying everywhere. It was a bit of chaos for a season. Uh, and, you know, it, 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 it wasn't that exciting, I suppose. But the truth is, uh, we could have uh, just moved out and rented another house and, and, uh, and just kind of give us a ring when you're finished. But we didn't do that. We stayed in the house. It was cheaper to stay in the house and let it be renovated while we're living in it. And uh, I always remember uh, going through that and... Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, it wasn't all that fun because of what was happening in the noise and everything that was happening. But you know, I'm um, it, the reality is is when God says I'm your workmanship, He, you know, we can't move out of our bodies, but He's renovating all the time. He's taking your life and He's doing a reno. And sometimes we can we can misinterpret what seems to be happening. We can think of it as a bit of a wreck, but really it's just a good it's a, it's a good reno that's happening in your life. And you know, the truth is, if you hear some noise and see some dust flying in my life sometimes, and you see, well, what's happening in his life or someone else's life, just maybe give a bit of grace and say, well, maybe there's a good renovation happening. It's not just a wreck of a life. Because I think Jesus says, I'm not finished. So why should you be? God's doing something. And you know the truth is, I'm not saying that imperfections don't matter. I'm not saying that our bad habits and attitudes don't matter. They do matter. I'm, what I'm saying is, when you understand that God's not finished with you yet, then you can find the grace to continue to function in the midst of all the work that's happening. 
And you need to continue. We need to push, continue to push through. Don't, don't let the temptation, as I said before, to sit on your hands and look at your failings and the issues and say, I'm finished. I can, I can make, I, I'll never make it. Uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm finished. I'll never make it. I'll never move forward. Don't ever allow that to overtake you because it, it's not what God sees. God's not given up yet. And it's not a wreck. It's just a work of grace. And so I can continue. So if I can, if God's not finished, we can continue. If God's not finished, not only can we continue, but we can change. Come on. We change. See, the blind man doesn't stay blind. Um, uh, but of course, in between getting clear vision and being totally blind, he has this blurry stage. He has this, he has this moment, and it's, and it's, um, it's interesting how in a matter of fact, how, how quick he does change in the matter of four verses, things change. And how much he does allow things to change. And, and, and you know, we see in Mark's gospel in just chapter 1, the same gospel, verse 17, it's, it, Jesus says to guys like Andrew and Simon, he says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, you may be aware, but the word uh, make means to, to fashion and to form and to construct something out of something else. And that's exactly what Jesus was saying to the disciples. He was saying to the guy like Simon, for instance, he said, Simon, I'm going to make you, I'm going to form you, I'm going to construct you. And um, it's amazing how much Simon changed because he used to be known Simon the Reed, if you remember. He was just tossed to and fro from, you know, by every wind of thought and, and that. Now he wasn't Simon the Reed, he became Simon the Rock, didn't he? Petra, you know, he became something solid. It's amazing how much Simon changed in this course of time he was with Jesus over those three years, and especially at the end of Jesus' uh, course life, and Jesus went to be in heaven, and, uh, and the Holy Spirit came in the second chapter of Acts, and incredible strength rose up with inside the disciples' lives, and particularly Simon, who preached on that first day in the second chapter of Acts, an incredible message, and 3,000 people responded to the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's amazing how much can change when we just submit ourselves to the process. Change can happen. And one of the most incorrect things you can say about yourself is this, well, I am just like that. Well, that's just the person I am. Well, that's just the person, you say to your spouse, well, that's just the person you marry, live with it. That's a real encouraging thought, isn't it? Live with it, you know. That's who I am. Why would you declare yourself finished when God hasn't? Some of us can use our bad attitudes as an excuse, saying, well, that's who I am and that's my personality and we use it as an excuse maybe for bad relationships, bad attitudes. And, uh, and we, we speak as if our, um, you know, our personality is also made up of our character. And we speak as if our character is immovable. Well, that's the person I am. Why would you say that? Why would you do that? Why would you not want to move forward? I understand that sometimes it's painful, isn't it? Painful to change. But, you know, we sing and pray and praise God and we declare he's a God of change, and yet we are so stuck sometimes in our ways. So stuck in our ways. Why wouldn't you, if you could do one thing this week, why wouldn't you wake up tomorrow morning and say, God, what could I do better? What could you change in me? Sometimes we see everybody else who needs to change, but we'd never see ourselves. You see, if God is 
for me and not against me, I can change. There's still things. I want to be honest with you. Some of you are doing stuff today that if you don't change, life will continue to spiral down. And I don't say that in a condemning way. I just say that, come on, God's got something that we can sing about abundant life, but do we continue to live it? And it always takes a risk. It's got nothing to do with the issues and problems you face. It's got everything to do with how you respond in your heart to those issues and problems, isn't it? So if God isn't finished with me yet, I can continue. I can change. And if God isn't finished with me yet, Here's the last thought. I can be confident. You see, it says in Philippians 1.6, Paul said this to the Philippian Christians. He says, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He who be, I'm confident, he said of this thing, he who has begun a good work in me, I, I believe he'll complete it. Um, I, don't, I believe that I'm a, it's a process, it's a working, but he's going to complete it. I believe that. And you know what? That makes me confident. Um, confident can sometimes be trans, trans, the word trust could be put in there. I'm trusting in him. See, it says, Jesus asked this blind man a question. Um, can you see anything? And the blind man doesn't get upset. He doesn't go into meltdown. He's not disappointed about just having a blurred vision. What's happening is... Is uh, he says, No, I can see, kind of. I can see, kind of. And, and, and he reflects something of confidence. He doesn't say, Well, you know, you could have done a little bit better than this, Jesus. You could have quite literally kind of helped me see on the first round. You know, I could see clearly. Why not? The first time you touched me, I could see clearly. No, don't, Jesus touches him again. He's, and and, the, and the, the man doesn't complain about his blurred vision. He just tells the truth. I've got blurred vision. I see men as trees walking. I, I need, you know, and Jesus says, okay, we, we can do something about that because I'm not finished with you yet. And the man doesn't get despondent. He doesn't go into meltdown. He doesn't get upset. He just tells the truth. And so there's, there's one thing that gives me confidence about everything else. And I believe it's the confidence that this blind man has. The confidence that the fact is that he has began, he will finish it. If Jesus can take me from no vision to blurred vision, he's going to surely take me to clear vision one day. And so I can, I can trust in that. I can, I can continue to have confidence in that. I can trust him in what's happening in my life. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of the blurred vision stage of life, you can get anxiety, you can get worried, you can have a whole lot of thoughts come into your head. But that's the time when you say, hey, just wait a second. The man who was born blind and had some, couldn't see clearly, there was a point where Jesus says, I'm not finished yet, and he gave him clear vision. So just hang on, clear vision could be coming. But it all, takes, it all talks about whether you, what you're going to be confident in. As a great eighter swimming, standing at the end of the pool about to do 50 meters, I thought this, I can do all things through James Hewitt who strengthens me. <laughs> I soon found out 50 meters later that actually in, not until grade nine when I committed my life to Christ that it's through Christ that all things I can be strengthened in Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> See, you know, there was a guy called Abraham. Abraham was a confident man. Do you know he was, there's a great example of it. He faced many dilemmas. But remember the story. He must have been standing on some high ground and he's got his nephew Lot with him. And they've got their own big families that they're, you know, coming along with them, hundreds of people. And Abraham's got all this land before him. And, and 
Abraham could have chosen the best land straight away. He was the senior elder. He had every right to take the best land. But he says to Lot, he says, Lot, take your choice. And Lot wasn't stupid. He could see that the best land over here was and Solomon Gomorrah was fertile and it was lush land. It was good for his crops and his cattle and his sheep and his donkeys and his camels. And, and over here it was dry and it wasn't such a good land over here. And so Lot said, well, if you give me the choice, I'll take this land over here. Now, did Abraham, with Lot saying that, go into meltdown and disillusionment and get upset and start to say, well, you can't do that? Did, did Abraham start to then kind of, kind of man, want to manipulate Lot and say, well, I'll get this land back for myself and I'll try and work it through and I'll, and I'll, uh, I'll be the one that uh, sorts this out. In the end, I'll have the best. No, Abraham didn't do any of that. Do you know why he didn't do any of that? Because he was confident in a God who had it covered. And if God has brought me this far, and even though I'm not getting the best land, that's okay. Because I believe God, I can be confident in him. Because if Abraham wasn't confident in him, when we're not trusting our God and confident in him, we can sometimes try to manipulate situations ourselves. We try and work it through, push the right buttons, talk to the right people, see if we can get something happen. See, confidence and trust means that we rely on him and not on our, you know, trying to manipulate and trying to scheme. And Abraham did none of that. And eventually, of course, Abraham, uh, Lot needed Abraham more than he knew it. If there was ever another story that kind of emphasizes this point to have confidence in God, it'd have to be David and his father-in-law Saul. I don't know if you remember the story, but of course the story went like this, that Saul literally hated David um, and wanted him dead and murdered, killed. And for 10 years, David went into exile being chased around by a fanatical, murderous uh, father-in-law. Some of us think our in-laws are bad. I hope not. (laughs) But David had the worst father-in-law. He wanted him dead. That's a great way to live life. 10 years being chased by your father-in-law. So the interesting thing is, why did Saul want to kill David? He had no confidence. He had no trust in God. He lost his trust in God. He, he, Saul went to fortune tellers to try and find out what to do. He had no trust at all. See, when you disconnect yourself from God, you lose confidence in your knowing how to handle the future. But if God hasn't finished with me yet, I don't have to manipulate and scheme. I can trust God. Even though I'm not getting the best deal, that's okay. I can trust my Heavenly Father because He's not finished with this me or this situation yet. Why was David? What was David's response? You know, David had an opportunity to kill Saul on two occasions. He had opportunity to wipe his father-in-law out. He had opportunity to get rid of him on a couple of occasions. And yet, you know what? He didn't do it. Why didn't he do it? Even with the encouragement of his own men, go and kill Saul now. He didn't do it. Why? Because he had confidence in his heavenly father that even though he's getting a bad deal, that God isn't finished with this whole plan and story yet. And he knew at the age of 17 or whatever age he was, that he was anointed king. And one day he was going to take that position. So he was not going to take it by force. He was going to let God bring it in in his time and place. And if we shortcut God's purposes in our life, I want to tell you what happens is you shortcut the process and you never get what God promised you because you want to manipulate. And it all comes back to where your confidence and trust lie. Saul had no confidence. David had confidence. 
It's because, and he didn't short track God's plan. And he says, if God's, I know God's not finished, and that's why I'm not going to try and do the wrong thing here. God's not finished. The astonishing fact is that it's not that Jesus had to touch the man twice. We could get all twisted up. Why did that happen? Why did he have to touch him twice? But the amazing thing that Jesus did touch the man twice, and it became right. And I think the whole, what I draw and what I see is that God's not finished yet. So I'm not sure where you are this morning. I'm going to invite our team back up this morning. I'm not sure where you are this morning. Maybe you've looked up like this blind man and everything still looks blurry. Well, the message is this morning, there's a miracle in the second touch and the third touch and the fourth touch. Because even though we haven't got our, all that we want on the first touch, please understand, God never is finished with us. He's always beckoning us. He's always calling. He's always inviting us to come and live, work, um, allow his processes to unfold. Maybe you've looked up like the blind man did and you can only see blurred visions. You can't see clearly yet. Um, well, the message this morning is God in, believes in us. His son came because of us. Jesus lived and died and rose again and, because of us. Humanity was his purpose. Humanity was his cause. That is you and me. So this morning, I want us to stand I want to just ask for a moment just to consider and contemplate the realities before we close. Of where you stand with God. Where do we stand with God? Do we believe in Him? Can we have a belief but we've never responded? You know the Bible just says to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. Confess what? Confess the Lord Jesus died on a cross. He rose again to take my sin. That I can repent and receive forgiveness for my sin. And I can receive Christ into my life. And I've become what the Bible calls a Christian. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never taken that step of becoming a Christian. Never taken the step of receiving Jesus. It says if you can, if you can confess him and believe. So it's a very personal thing. But it's not so personal that it's not public and in the sense that all heaven rejoices, God sees the response we make. And you know, this morning, I would invite you to say yes to Jesus. I just want to invite you to say, maybe for the very first time or maybe a time again where you need to just say, I need to get my life right again and I want to say yes to Christ. So could we close our eyes just for a moment this morning, give each other a little bit of privacy in this moment and I'll ask you that question. If you know that you need to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, maybe for the very first time, or maybe again, saying, yes, God, I just, please, again. Could you just lift your hand? I'll see the hand. You can put it down. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. I see those hands. You may put your hand down. I acknowledge that. God acknowledges it. I'll just wait a moment more. There's... Thank you. Thank you. Any? Okay. How about right now? We simply do this. People have responded this morning. This is, a, this is a divine moment. It's God's presence. Holy Spirit's here. Let's not belittle it in any way. He, he wants, he's speaking to hearts. 
So for those who have raised their hand, I just want you to, to simply with me, join with me in praying. I, it's the simplest way I think we can do it is that I pray, you repeat it in your, out loud. Actually, could all of us do that together? As we do that together, we'll support the people who are actually doing it. I actually do it every time because I think and make it my own again because I think I always need to respond to Christ, always need to make it right. So I would love those, those five people who responded, the hands up, that you pray and I'll lead you in prayer and we'll all just share. Is that cool? Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning just as I am. I thank you that you haven't given up on me. You've actually got the best plan. And Jesus, you're that plan. You want to give me life. So I confess with my mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again to take my sin. I believe in my heart that you receive me now as your child. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Help me, Lord, to live for you. From this moment on, knowing that I'm not perfect, but that you're with me every day. Amen. Father, I just thank you for the people that responded this morning. And Lord, I just ask that your hand would be upon them. And no doubt it is, as they sense that challenge in their lives to walk with you. God, that you would continue to strengthen them, Father, in their walk. And they wouldn't. Lord, help them to say no to what the world offers and yes to what you offer because you have so much hope and future for them. So, Father, we commit them to you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen? Come on. I want us um, to sing this song and I think to, re to rejoice together. And in a moment, we're going to take a moment just to remember and stand in silence and remember what's happened on this day so many years ago, 100 years ago today. But let's first of all, just as give him some element of worship this morning, right now in this song. Thanks, team. Lord of my soul, dead in my sin, lost without hope with no place to begin. I've made a way to let mercy come in When death was arrested and my life began Ash was redeemed only Could know in some element of freedom in this country It would be possibly a very different world if it didn't happen how it happened So let's just pause and I'll just And you'll know when the time is finished I'll just pray and we'll sing this song once more, and then we'll be finished. So let's pause for a moment.
Father, we're thankful this morning. We're thankful for a country that we have relative freedom in this country. Um, and I suppose we can attribute that to those who've gone before us and uh, I suppose fought in as cruel a war as it was and a war that we'd hoped would have never happened. It happened. But we're just thankful. We're thankful for those people, both women and men, who gave, I suppose, their lives. And this morning we sing a song of freedom. Well, we're a free country in many ways, but ultimately our freedom comes from you, and we thank you for that. And we pause to just reflect that you, Lord, even we could be in prison today, but we could have true freedom because Christ lives in our heart. And we thank you for that reality. And we commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Amen. One more time. Free. Can we go to that? Savior on a criminal cross. Darkness rejoices though heaven had love. But then Jesus arose without freedom in hand. Thank you, Lord. That's when death was arrested and my life began. Arrested and my life began. Oh, we're free, free, forever we're free. Come join the song of all the redeemed. Yes, we're free, free, forever. Amen. When death was arrested and my life began, we're free, free, forever we're free. We're free, free, forever, amen. When death was arrested and my life began. When death was arrested and my life began. When death was arrested and my life began. Come on, let's give him a hand this morning. Father, we thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord. Brilliant. Have a great day. If you can, can 